0: Uh, you know, there's many ways we have of recognizing outstanding individual accomplishments, right? Like um, in little league baseball, they have the all-star team, and in in academics and in schools, there's the honor roll, and and these are like the elite categories that only the the very few qualify for that that separate the best uh, from the rest, and. And by the way, um, those were both categories that as a young person growing up, I don't know that I ever found myself in either the all-star team or the honor roll. Uh, you guys probably guessed that already. I didn't have to tell you that. But, uh, but to me, those always just seemed just a little bit out of reach. Um, you know, there's, there's actually kind of an elite category um, in the Christian faith, to living out the Christian faith. There is such a thing as standout saints, and we're going to look at them this morning. What does it take uh, to get into that category, to acquire that status? But what I want to tell you up front is that it's very different um, from those other areas, and there's a good chance it's going to look a lot different um, from what you might be thinking or expecting, because unlike the all-star team, And and the honor roll in the Christian life, um, being a standout is not out of reach. It's, It's within reach for each and every one of us, and it's something that we can all strive after by simply living out our lives when we're set on serving on serving. So we've been making our way this summer through the book of Philippians. Uh, The series is called Side by Side. And Philippians, just to catch everyone up, it's a letter that was written by a guy named Paul. Now usually when Paul is talked about, um, he's often identified as Paul the Apostle. Right, uh, That authority figure. But, but those of you who were here when we started this series off, you might remember in chapter 1, verse 1, he introduces himself as Paul, the servant of Christ Jesus. Uh, that's how he wanted to be known. And that theme of serving is a thread that runs throughout this entire letter. So, so when Paul was writing, he started out by updating his friends, his Philippian friends, about how he's doing. So he tells them, here's how I'm doing. And and he talks about all the opportunities that he has had to serve the Lord, even while he's behind bars in prison. And then after that, he says, I can't wait to get out of here so I can get back to you guys in Philippi and serve you in some way again. You see, in Paul's estimation, serving Christ is what it's all about. Uh, The way that he said it is this, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That was what it's all about. And so that was the update. After that update, Paul extends this invitation to his Philippian friends, and and by extension, he extends it to you and I as well, to, to do the same thing that he's doing Chapter 1, verse 27, he says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And so the invitation is for us to reorder our lives in a way that reflects Jesus' worth and the amazing grace that he pours into our lives. But maybe that just sounds a little abstract, like a little fuzzy, like, all right, Brian, that sounds really good, But I have no idea how to do that. How do I wrap my arms around that? What does that actually look like? Live worthy of the gospel of Christ. So last week, uh, Eric took it from abstract to concrete. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. It was a great message. If you missed it, uh, jump online And check it out. And he explained how it means embracing the opportunities all around us to serve. Uh, And that happens when we cultivate Christ-like humility. The kind of humility that prioritizes the needs of others over our own personal agendas and privileges and entitlements. And so that's where things get real. When when Jesus people start switching the default of, of our lives from selfishness to, to serving, serving however we can, wherever we are, whoever needs it. And and servant hearts are desperately needed. They're desperately needed in every arena, all around our world, because the reality is, is that selfishness kills. Uh, Selfishness was creeping in to this Philippian church, and it was slowly destroying the unity of that church. And selfishness always kills connection and community and fellowship, and it does that in families and friendships and churches in every arena. And so when it comes to following Christ, the standouts, they're not the academically gifted Uh, They're not the athletically talented. It doesn't require even reciting large portions of scripture from memory or traveling across the country or around the world to to pioneer some kind of new movement. Um, The standouts are simply those who live their lives set on serving, who simply choose to serve in whatever setting they're in, and that's that is something that's within reach for you, and for me, and for each and every one of us. And, and so that's where we've been up to this point. So we're going to jump back in now, pick off right where we left off. And it's in Philippians chapter 2, and starting in verse 12. If you have a Bible, uh, feel free to open it there. It's also going to be on the screen behind me. And, and Paul, as he continues here, he's going to lay out two concrete qualities uh, to cultivate and then he's going to follow that up with two examples uh, to emulate. So, so let's look at the first quality. The first quality is untethered obedience. Here's what he says Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So standout saints, uh, they tether their obedience to the master, um, not on a fellow servant. So, so Paul here, he's urging his friends who he loves, don't let the fact that I'm not there, that I'm absent, don't let that become the limiting factor in your obedience. See, while, while he was present there with them, he helped them in incredible ways. He got them going on their journey with Jesus. And, and now that he's away, he doesn't want his absence to become some kind of lid on their spiritual growth. They needed that reminder that as much as he loves and cherishes them, that's not really what mattered most. What ultimately mattered is not that he was at work in their lives, it's that the master, that, that God himself is at work in their lives, and you know maybe maybe there's some of us here this morning who maybe we need that reminder as well. Tether your obedience to the master, not on someone else. Uh, don't let it be conditioned by those who are present with us. Uh, appreciate the people that God puts in your life; their gifts, they're great, but watch out to not make too much of them because. The reality is it's very easy to elevate people in our lives, to elevate them sometimes just a little bit too much. And it's understandable. We have friends, we have uh, family members, or maybe it's a speaker, maybe it's a pastor, or there's, there's good people that God gives and puts in our lives, and they impact us in significant ways. Um, But if we're not careful, we can start finding ourselves linking our spiritual growth to them and their presence in our lives. So the question becomes, what happens when that person, for whatever reason, is taken out of the picture? Then what? Does their absence expose me as being more connected to them than I am to Christ? That happens, right? And so Paul, here he is, he's ever so gently, he's just using his absence to nudge his friends, to take a deeper step of spiritual maturity. He says, yeah, I can't be with you. My assignment for the time being is in prison, but the master is with you. So work out with him what he is working in in your life. And so the good news here is that the master is at work. God is at work in your life directly, directly, not just in some kind of indirect proxy way, via someone else, right? He is doing something good in you. And what he's doing in you is not contingent on anyone else or anything else, and so the invitation is, is that we can respond to that. We can attend to that work that God is doing in each of our lives. Paul puts it this way work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because God is working in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. So basically, here is what it comes down to untether your obedience to everything and everyone else but the master. Cultivate your own individual, personal, direct connection with the Lord because that's something that we cannot delegate out to other parties. It's it's up to each of us to work it out ourselves. And so uh, just to clarify, maybe it's worth clarifying, right? We don't work for our salvation right salvation is a free gift it comes through faith because of the finished work that Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross for us so so we don't work for our salvation but we do work out our salvation and so we're going to work out what God is working in the Holy Spirit gives these new desires he plants them in our hearts the desire to live for him to desire to live our lives in a way that pleases god to to use whatever we have in whatever way we can to bring glory to him and and so all of that gets worked out between you and and god and so untethered obedience that's that's the first quality to cultivate and and again this is it's within reach, right? It's not just for superstars. This is for ordinary people like you and like me. And the passage goes on. It describes the second quality of a standout saint, which is kind of a, another pretty easy one, I think. It's a, a crank-free life. Here's what he says. Uh, Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of light, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and I rejoice with all of you, and likewise you should also be glad and rejoice with me." So this Philippian church that Paul is writing this letter to, they were having some issues having to do with grumbling and disputing. They, they, they were doing the right things, but as they did them, they were doing them with this undercurrent of crankiness. And, and over time, Uh, they were kind of slowly but very surely turning into the church of the Christian crankpots. Have you ever visited there? I I hope not. Now, Now, I'm sure this is a subject that none of us here in this room can relate to at all, right? Griping, complaining, whining, and nitpicking. No, we don't deal with that. Other people do, maybe, but... Uh, maybe just in case any of us maybe do at some point in the future, maybe we can just look at how, how we would deal with it, right? So the instructions are pretty clear. They're fairly straightforward. Do some things without grumbling and complaining, right? Now, that's not it. Do most things without grumbling and complaining, that's not it either. Let's try one more time. Do all things without grumbling and complaining. And I checked the Greek, and there's no asterisks, there's no conditions, there's no exclusion clauses. The idea is to com- close the complaint department down in our hearts. That crankiness has no place in the Christian life. Uh, a whining servant is it's a contradiction in terms. Right? And I don't know about you, but that has been a challenge for me uh, over the years from time to time. I, I am subject to recurring outbreaks of irritable Brian syndrome. <laughs> Sometimes just irritable. It just comes so easy. And here's the thing, when it comes, God gives us the power. To close it down, take that step. And let me just clarify that by not complaining, it doesn't mean that you never voice a concern. It doesn't mean you never disagree. It doesn't even mean you never register an objection with someone, right? That's that's all appropriate. Um, There's a difference. So, objecting would be a very direct thing, it speaks to the source. While complaining is usually a lot more indirect, right? It usually speaks to everyone except the person who needs to get spoken to. I think we call that gossip. Um, Objecting also has a point and it seeks a solution while complaining isn't really looking for a solution. They're just wanting to to poke holes in someone just in spite. And um, by the way, if... Lakeview is the place where you consider this is home for me. Let me tell you that not only are you allowed to shut down crankiness and gossip when you hear that spewing from someone, let me take it a step beyond that. You're obligated to. Um, Not just me, not just the uh, official elders of the church, one and all, responding to some conversations and just say, you know what? That's just really not appropriate. That sounds like there is something you need to resolve with the person that you're talking to me about. So how about how about you and I go together and, and talk to him about it together? I'd like to help you so resolve this. Let's do that because if you don't, you need to know that I am going to. Um, that's just a a real simple way to protect the unity of any church family because, make no mistake, that irritable attitude is poison. Paul says when it goes unchecked, it kills a Christian's testimony and it goes against everything that God is working out in our lives. And he talks about that. He says if you're a Christ follower, then God's purpose for you is to stand out, to shine like a light in a dark and twisted world. This is where we are today, right? And so the imagery is there, like just think about the backdrop of darkness at night in the sky and how that just showcases the radiance of the stars that they pierce through it and light up the sky. That's the way God intends. That's the way that he empowers his people, you and I, to live out our lives. And it's something he wants us to catch a vision for, right? Stand out, shine bright. There's more to life, there's more to live for than just trying to fit in. Don't settle for that. And as Christ followers, there's so many ways to stand out and shine. Paul says, here's a real simple one. You can be a testimony. You can shine your life by just living a crank-free life, right? You see, that attitude of grumbling and complaining, what does it do? It, it, it dims the light of our lives. It's like hitting the fade button down and and isn't it kind of obvious, right? Like, think about how compelling is it when the message that our lives is, is broadcasting is, is this. Come to Christ, and you can become a highly irritable, cranky-pants Christian like me. Right? Who, who wants that? No, thank you. I can do cranky all on my own. Um, if that's the difference Jesus is making in your life, then... I'm not, I'm not interested. But, but contrast that with when a watching world looks and sees God's people living out joy-filled life with the source of hope within them that, that goes beyond their circumstances, and they're loving others, they're serving willingly, they're, they're persevering through hard times, holding fast to the word of life, treasuring God's truth, and doing all that without the griping. That's refreshing because it's such a rare thing. Where else do you see that in our world today? That's, that's shining and there's something really compelling about that. There's something that makes people scratch their heads and say, what's going on? So a whining servant is a contradiction in terms. And so for you and I, it comes down to these decisions. These, these decisions to say, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm no longer going to make excuses for my irritability. I'm going to stop giving myself permission to spew. Whatever it is, let's just simply choose to just say, the complaint department is closed permanently. And so these are the two qualities uh, to cultivate. Un- untethered obedience, crank-free living, and now Paul's going to go on and he's going to point out two models, two lives that are, that are demonstrating, that are living this out in real life, um, two standout saints in their local church who were, who were living out their lives and their lives were set to serve. Their names were Timothy and Epaphroditus. So let's listen how he describes them. And, and Timothy first, he says this, I hope in the Lord to... I myself will come also. So Timothy here is, he's being described as like a, he's like a diamond in the rough. This guy's a treasure. He's, he's Paul's companion. And, and what makes him such a standout, Paul says, is that he is genuinely concerned for the well-being of his Philippian friends. There's, there's a sincerity about him that's evident, that's obvious. While, while a lot of people are talking the talk, right? Paul says, this guy is is walking the walk. He is the real deal. He is living it out. He's faithful. He's been in the trenches with me through the good, the bad, the ugly, the thick and the thin, the up and the down. And he says, his life, this guy's life is all about Jesus. It's so refreshing. And it's kind of hard. It's easy to miss here, but subtly, Paul's kind of saying, sorry, guys, he's staying with me. You know? He'd like to come back to you. You'd like to have him, but uh, for right now, I I just can't let go of him. He's my lifeline uh, for the moment while I'm in prison. So that's Timothy. Um, After that, there's this guy, Epaphroditus, and here's what Paul says about him. He says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and ministry to my need And honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So, Epaphroditus, he's basically a mailman. That's his job. He delivered this gift to Paul while he was in prison um, that came from the Philippian church. And you can just imagine how this went. You know, someone at that church probably said, Hey, we have a need. We need someone to leave Philippi, to take this gift, to deliver it to Paul. And Epaphroditus just raised his hand and said, I'll go. I'm up for that. And he went. And somewhere along the line, in service to the Lord, he became deathly sick. We don't know the details, but it was really bad. He's on the brink of death. And so now, as Paul is writing this, he's he's saying Epaphroditus is he's stable enough to get back home. And so Paul says, "Receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ." Here's this guy. His name is Epaphroditus. He didn't write a book of the Bible. He wasn't an apostle. I've actually never heard anyone name their child Epaphroditus. There's a lot of Pauls and Timothys and Peters. This guy's a standout saint. Why? Because he just just lived with his life set on serving. And he's on the honor roll. You know, every church has men and women like that people who serve well, who who walk the walk. And and like Timothy and Epaphroditus, they're worthy of honorable mention. Over the years here at Lakeview, we've had so many. We've been blessed in so many ways. And and today, this morning, uh, we're, we're taking a little bit of time to honor and to celebrate two standout saints who have served well in this setting here at Lakeview Community Church, Jim and Stacey Eggler, uh, they've been a core part of this church family for several years. I don't even want to count because that'll just make me hurt a little bit more, the fact that they're moving on. But uh, uh, this morning, we're, we're just going to take some time to honor them, to, to celebrate them, to send them off with blessing and prayer. And they're making their way to uh, central Pennsylvania. And I got to say, I wish this was more like a Timothy story, right? You know, where Paul said, sorry, they're staying with me, but um, <laughs> it's not. This is, this is the Epaphroditus one. Um, they're in that Epaphroditus stage. It's time for them to go uh, to be a blessing somewhere else to their children and their growing family. And, uh, you know, many of you, over the years, you've connected with Stacy. She's served in so many ways, um, as our children's ministry team leader. She's done just an amazing job of organizing and decorating and teaching and encouraging and supporting. Uh, The list could just go on and on. And uh, Jim has served in so many ways as well uh, as a part of our elder board. We are going to miss his calm voice of reason. And so if you were to be a, a, a fly on the wall at our elder board meetings, a lot of times, you know, He's listening as everyone else is kind of talking, and you know the vibe's going up a little bit, and he's just sitting, waiting, waiting, and waiting till the room is silent, and then, very calmly, he opens up his mouth and starts speaking. Everybody listens when Jim speaks, and it's almost always it's the perspective that uh, we just didn't get and we really needed to hear. And that happened several times, particularly as we were navigating building this place out and just walking through all the ups and downs of that. He's also led our our ministry, our men's ministry team. And, uh, and even despite his best attempts to avoid it, we had him up preaching a, at least twice, I think. Um, he is, he's tried really hard to avoid that. He says, teaching seventh grade math is no problem, but uh, standing up here... Uh, is another thing, but man, what a blessing he is when he opens up his mouth and preaches the word of God. Um, together, they've been life group leaders along with their their whole family. It's just been a blessing uh, in so many ways, in so many seasons, and we're gonna miss them. Um, so I do want to say uh, to Jim and Stacy, thank you for being a model to follow for showing us this church. Here's a snapshot of what it looks like to live a life set on serving. Thank you for your steadfast perseverance through all the highs and the lows of, of church life, because there's a lot of them. And uh, as we close this, uh, this time together, I'm going to ask Jim and Stacy to come up.